0: Hey, welcome back to the Silver Fortune podcast. So I want to, um, take some time real quick to, to circle back to, to last Friday. Um, recording this here, uh, Monday morning here, central time in the United States. Um, so, so a couple of days later, and, and I was thinking about, and I was thinking about doing a podcast following Friday and, 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 some of the things that happened in the market, especially the, the precious metals market, uh, which I'm sure many of you guys, are, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about the, the big move up in in both silver and gold um, on Friday morning uh, on the backs of a really really poor jobs number, um, well below expectations. Um, we saw silver shoot up from from just north of you know twenty two fifty all the way up to just shy of like twenty three twenty. You know, so a decent jump. You know, almost seventy cents over sixty cents. Um, you know, we had a similar similar kind of pattern play out in gold, and then within. You know, minutes, you know, an hour or two, we saw both metals drop down. You know, gold moved up, um, in the ballpark of $20 an ounce, um, and then gave up almost those entire gains as well. And of course, people were screaming manipulation, screaming, um, you know, foul play. And, and I can't disagree. Um, uh, I'm there with you. Um, but I want to circle back to that because those types of events, we, we've seen it too many times. And each time, you know, people are like, this is egregious. This is the worst time. And, and, and it probably, they're probably not wrong. Each time, you know, these types of things happen, it does seem to be more blatant. Uh, whether it's the Sunday night smackdown, um, or it's the, uh, you know, these, these pump and dumps. <laughs> By, by both metals, uh, seemingly coming back down to earth for no reason at all, as if there was some material news that came out shortly after, um, that, that really poor jobs number that suddenly said, like, hey, we thought the Fed was going to be easing for a while longer, but, but I guess not because of this, this material bit of news that came out in just the past hour. No, nothing like that happened. It was egregious. It's, it's ridiculous and it has and happened for far too long. I'm here to remind you today. That things like that will not always happen. And I want to start off with this question. Okay, so the world is, you know, filled with bubbles. The economy of of the world here in the stage, much of the Western economies, but but not just Western, you know, Japan, China, they're they're part of this too, and other countries too. um, Bubbles. And a lot of it's on the back of, of, You know, really, really weak monetary policy, um, building debt higher and higher leverage. You know, it goes back to kind of this thing that I always talk about that, that, you know, central planners are seeking to, uh, create a never ending credit cycle. They're replacing the boom and bust with ups and downs, whatever you want to call it, with a never ending credit cycle. And they're going to fail. They're going to fail spectacularly, but that's what they're trying to do. And that's what they've been doing for the last 20 plus years. And so here's my question, looking over the past 20 plus years imagine if in 2001 things were allowed to fall apart uh, the bubbles were allowed to to bu- burst entirely and and there's a mean reversion event right uh, whether I'm talking you know stocks, real estate etc, sovereign bonds that would have been a big deal right but would it have been a bigger deal had things been allowed allowed to to undergo a similar you know process in 2009? Uh, Obviously, the the answer is yes, it would have been a much bigger deal. That would have been catastrophic, right? The the financial system likely almost collapsed there at points during the Lehman Brothers collapse and, and Bear Stearns and others. Yeah, I mean, that would have been catastrophic, right? Well, how about 2020? COVID pandemic. If things had been allowed to entirely fall apart, if the Fed, the U.S. government and other central planners around the world hadn't reacted how they did, to essentially kick the can down the road to not allow these excesses to to uh to run their course it, it would have been spectacular it was pretty bad right but it would have been so much worse right okay well well how about this time around we're in 2021 i don't know when the next type of event like that is going to happen but is it going to be worse than had it been allowed to happen in 2020? And I think the answer to that is yes. You know, each time you kick the can down the road, each time you allow this leverage of debt, this dependence on, on credit growth and liquidity growth, each time you, you know, allow that to persist longer than it otherwise would be because of artificial, uh, artificial action in, in the markets, artificial manipulation of, I'm not just talking prices of precious metals, but manipulation of, of, you know, basically economics through, through lower rates, through QE, through, uh, helicopter money, et cetera. It, you're creating a larger and larger excess and you're going to see a larger mean reversion event, right? It's, it's not unlike how if you have, let's say a big, you know, stretchy band and, and the further you pull it back, the more violent that snapback is going to be and the further it's going to snap in the opposite direction. And that relates, I think really well to precious metals here. Now now what I mean by this though, central planners, I'm using that term broadly, that central banks uh, governments, central governments and of course you know other entities, bank of international settlements, world economic Forum, etc right they've shown that that they are not entirely inept. Because going back to, you know, 2001, 2009, uh, even to, you know, 2015, 2016, uh, 2020, they've shown that they are able to, to halt, uh, big collapses, right? To, to use what, you know, what powers, what, uh, um, tools they have to, to halt that, right? And this goes back to something I've been talking about a lot lately, that the Fed is the same way that they have tools to, in their mind, lower unemployment, um to 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 cause the market to move up whether that's a stock market real estate market suppress rates and drive up bond prices they, they have tools to do all of those things but the one thing that that all these central pan planners cannot do is stop inflation it, it's simply impossible for them to stop inflation in a meaningful way with their policy now yes they can benefit from deflationary Processes, some of which are slowly, I think, running their course, um, near and to the extent of how much they can cause deflation. Things like, um, globalism and whatnot, uh, um, increased trade, um, increased, you know, efficiency of manufacturing, things like that, right? Um, that's, that's deflationary. And, and I think those things to some extent are running the course. I also don't want to put limitations on, on humanity in terms of our, you know, a prowess in terms of 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 technology and whatnot um, but they've really been helped out by those those factors over the years regardless as we move into this more and more leveraged global system this more precarious and fragile system truthfully the worse it's going to be when it ultimately blows up and i think we should i'm fairly confident by now looking at what's happened in the past 20 years 2001, 2009, um, even, you know, we could add 2012, a lot of, you know, some of the Euro debt crises, um, 2015, 2016, when China almost had their hard landing, COVID pandemic in 2020. I'm pretty confident at this point that this is going to end in an inflationary manner. The, the only way that that's not the case is if there is a major uprising, a major shift socially and politically halting central planners. Uh, central banks and and governments from doing so, which then would would create just a terrible deflationary crash. Because again, if you're going to try and halt inflation by raising rates, by quantitative tightening, any of those means, um, cutting fiscal spending, it's going to be a spectacular deflationary collapse. And I think we'll still be happy to be in precious metals. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think they've shown their hand time and time again that they're going to kick this can down the road. They're going to continue to do what's most expedient over the short term rather than what's most prudent over the long term. And that means this is going to end in an inflationary manner. That means that the next crisis or the one after that, I mean, these are getting, it's getting more and more fragile by the day. You know, look at the Fed balance sheet. Look at the, the market's dependence on, on, on money printing and, and, and low rates and whatnot. It's going to be a spectacularly terrible inflationary event. And I think we're getting closer and closer to that. And what, you know, circling back here, I'm talking big picture stuff here, but circling back to precious metals, that's something that you cannot just tamp down over the long term. Inflation is here and it's only going to get worse over the coming years. I mean, look no further than, you know, what's, what's the new article I was just reading today? Again, over on zero hedge. Yeah, I get it. I spend a lot of time on zero hedge, whatever. But, uh, this article, uh, titled China coal futures hit record high as mines flood, worsening power shortages hit rust belt. Uh, one of the big manufacturing areas in China, um, is dealing with a power shortage and it's partly related to also, um, declining coal production, uh, coal futures up 12%. 218 dollars seventy six cents per ton, a new record high. This is Monday, um, October eleventh. Uh, new record high for for coal futures um, uh, in in part you know, in this China. This is the zhengzhou Commodity Exchange, right? Because of some mine floods, which I get are a big deal, but but a twelve percent rise. I mean, this should show you just how tight and that type of stuff. How tight the market is. That that type of stuff is inflationary. Right. And I get it. This is part of the supply problem, but this is what you end up with supply problems when you have such an artificial, um, injection of demand into the market because of money printing and fiscal stimulus, et cetera. Right. Um, you get shortages, you get supply chain problems, you get energy markets behaving in a wild manner. And, and you can't just blame it all on a cold winter or, uh, um, lack of inventory or or russia not exporting their natural gas to europe or something like that um i get part of it I, I do think falls on the shoulders of those that are pushing for such a rapid transition to i think green energies that are just not realistic at this point to the extent that that some are pioneering them i'm, I'm a big fan of nuclear over coal or oil natural gas and to some extent some green energies at this point in time that point notwithstanding a lot of this is an inflationary process and we're going to continue to see that play out higher and higher inflation is going to inevitably lead to a lot of these markets breaking it remains to be seen what happens with things like the real estate market the equity market how do they deal with a high inflationary economy i think some like the real estate market is more likely to to rise the stock market, I'm not so sure over the long term because high inflation is highly damaging to the economy and and that obviously presents a lot of roadblocks for, for the stock market, it remains to be seen. But as far as precious metals goes um, and a lot of other commodities, uh, it, it's really an eventuality in my mind. Central planners have shown their hand. We know, I'm pretty confident that unless there is, what I was talking about, a big uprising, this is going to end in an inflationary manner. And... You can't tamp down prices like you did on Friday forever, right? You're going to have big money moving into the precious metals markets, the physical markets, like, like they already have to some extent in the past year or two and, and well before that as well. Um, you're going to have them moving in a big way and it's going to drive up the price, the physical, the real price, um, in, in a way that is simply unsustainable for the current, um, really, you know, Ponzi scheme like, um, um, situation on the Comex and other major Bullion, uh, in quotation marks, bullion exchanges. It's not sustainable. As always, though, I, I first of all want to thank each of you for, for staying strong in the face of this manipulation and and this blatant manipulation. This, uh, those, those frustrating days where it's like, hey, there's a breakout. And then, you know, maybe not. Um, those of you that have been in the market even longer than myself, uh, you've, you've been, you know, you went through the 2011 crash for silver. You went through many other similar, um, events in in the markets, Sim, you know, simple days, weeks where where just the markets defy um, exp- not just expectations but defy common sense, right? Um, but but this can't go on forever, and the longer it does go on, heck of a lot longer than I expected and many others expected, the more spectacular the crash will be, and the more confident that I'm growing uh, that that I'm growing more confident that it's going to be an inflationary collapse. I mean that's always been kind of my base case, but but it's I think it's more and more evident that that's going to be the case. As always, though, I'd like to thank every one of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast, and God bless.